That wisdom that comes from the Holy Spirit at work uh, should be happening in every one of us. And so uh, I'm 65, 66 now. And uh, again, I, I look back to the 45 years of walking with Christ. I'm just thinking, I'm a 45-year-old Christian. And it's great. I, I, love, I love what God's doing in my life. And I hope you get to that point where you're saying, Lord, I love you with all my heart, and I just love what you're doing. Keep it up until I die. Uh, we are in the middle of this wonderful, wonderful book, uh, moving, scooting, not quickly, but moving towards the end. But I wanted to take you back 2,000 years uh, just for a moment to think. Paul writes this letter, <clears throat> and he sends it to a group of Christians, 15, 20 people maybe gathered at a uh, house they have a meal maybe not pumpernickel bread but they've got some they got some food there and they've got uh, a time together and then they eat and then they gather everybody together and they hear Paul's letter being read to them by one of the the familiar uh, uh, men in the fellowship and you know uh, he's talking about Paul and what's up with Paul and what's he why is he writing but Paul's going to be talking about this wisdom the wisdom of the Spirit, and they they are going to get something from this letter. And so, <clears throat> as they go through it, they're going to learn about who this Jesus is and how to love Christ more and how the Spirit works in. And we're going to follow this conversations today. But it didn't take them very long to get through that one time. And so, after hearing this letter, they all disperse and they go home. May they go back and then they start thinking about it. <clears throat> Well, we we are doing that too. We want to look at this this information that God has set aside for all Christians for all time in all countries to understand these essential core truths of the Scripture. And so we're going to talk today. We're going to go real quickly. Is we're going to look at the wisdom of God, the wisdom of the Spirit, what it is, and we're going to look a little bit at what is not. And thinking about these four things, we're going to move into. Uh, what does it look like? What does the spirit, the, the wisdom of the spirit look like? And you're going to go back and think about this. And then the, the last part is how to do it. How do you walk in the spirit of wisdom? And so as we go back, I want to go back to some of those things that we mentioned last week. That we're in this, we're in this flow, and you've got to understand the book in terms of the flow of of the the passage. And so what Paul is saying is. You are in the process of God putting your life together. The integrity of the design from creation. God is reversing the curse and bringing you back into fullness that you can be an image bearer of God. But doing so, <clears throat> uh, you're going to be understanding that Paul is doing for the Gentiles what, what God is also doing for the Jews by helping them understand that we are the people of God. And coming into the presence, the very presence, we no longer need to think about a temple or the rituals because the church is the temple and Christ is the head. And as Paul's going into, uh, he's telling his letters, realize that God has preserved more than just Paul's letters. But Paul, uh, Paul has written part of the New Testament and this letter in that setting in Ephesus only took about 20 minutes to read. Uh, 
I found this little chart, interestingly, on the uh, on Bible reading times. It's all those verses, all those books on the left. Are, and you'll see a lot of these little books, don't, they don't take a lot of time. Ephesus, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians take less than 20 minutes. And so if you're not reading or digging into the scriptures, just wanted you to see this, but for but for this particular book, it wasn't very long. And yet, if Paul were here today, he said, man, you guys really are unpacking that. And that's what we're doing because there's a lot of wisdom in this. Now, if you've been through the Myers-Briggs personality type training that we were doing here uh, last year, remember what I said? There are two key qualities of wisdom. Do you remember that? This is a, a Jeopardy question. Do, 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 do. So this is the thing about learning. You always have to be reminded and reviewed to, to stimulate. And so, as soon as I say this, you'll go, huh. So when you see this, you go, huh. Everybody practice, huh. There are two things about wisdom. It's the issue of perception, what you are seeing and what you attend to, what data you focus on is going to shape how you interpret what you see. And what you see is going to be focused on not just what it says, but it's going to be focused on the meaning and the value. And that's what you've got to get when you think about wisdom, because it's the meaning and the value of the data and the facts that you see. If you just see facts, that's all you see. You are moving into wisdom. You have information but don't have wisdom. And so this idea of perception, we want to see as God sees. We want to think about the world as Jesus thought about the world. But when it comes to the Spirit's wisdom, you got to put on these glasses of the Holy Spirit because you're going to look at things the way He looks at things. It's about perception. It's the divine perception. It's revelation. And the idea of what God reveals to us would really want thrill your heart because you will see things that you wouldn't see without the Holy Spirit. And Paul would say that we have not received the spirit of the world, but we have received the spirit from God that we might understand the very gifts given to us by God. And so the first thing is about perception, but the second thing is about decision making. What do you do with this stuff? I mean, you understand it here, but, and you, you may value it here, but that's not enough because wisdom isn't just the awareness. Wisdom is the following of the life of Christ. As you walk with Christ, you live as Christ, you imitate Christ. And here comes these two, two important elements of wisdom. You see and you trust and then you obey. The word listening the word listening or hearing, and Jesus would always say, he who hears my word, he who hears my word is the one who obeys my word. And so in the, in the Christian sense, you cannot hear without obeying. The Spirit doesn't make that distinction. You listen in order to follow through and live out. You obey. That's what obedience means. You hear to obey. And so those two things, when Paul gets into this chapter, chapter 5, I won't go through the review because we did that before. We're focusing on this one section. And we'll camp here for just a moment. It says, do not be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Word we, we one another, 
with psalms. Uh, but he says, instead be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs uh, from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of, of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, submit to one another. Now these are the things uh, that we do out of reverence for Christ, but all these are jammed right in the middle of a passage. And you notice Paul doesn't spend a whole lot of time going through verse chapter 5. He says you want to love like he does. You want to, you want to uh, walk in love. You're going to walk in light. And you're going to now walk in, in wisdom as he's getting into this. But they're really quick little snippets. This is what you should do. Just keep this in mind. And he doesn't go into a whole lot of this. But he says that if we're going to walk in this part, you're going to walk in wisdom, it means you need to be filled with the Spirit. So we're going to look at that, which is, uh, we're going to look at what it is. This thing of wisdom. From God's perspective, you know that the Old Testament has five books, and they're called the wisdom literature. And the wisdom literature, can you name the five books? Oh, did I give it to you? I did. Shoot. I already gave it to you. Yeah. These are the five books that really talk about the struggles and the issues. For Job, it's the wisdom of suffering and how does God use suffering in your life and the whole story of Job. If you haven't read Job, uh, it's really interesting because he starts off well and he gets into some entanglements because he, he wants, he says, I know that my Redeemer lives and I'm going to trust him, even though he slay me. I can trust him. And then just a several couple chapters later, he says, oh, if I could only find him, I'd bring my case against him. I'd, it's not fair. And so he's arguing and wrestling with God is part of the wisdom literature of a transparent heart. If you get into Ecclesiastes, life makes no sense under the sun. It doesn't make sense. This is futile. Life is meaningless. And so the book of Ecclesiastes is 12 chapters of this king who didn't have the wisdom that he wrote about. Not only did he not have the wisdom, but in Song of Solomon, he, Song of Solomon is about love. It, uh, but it's, Solomon never had. That's, that's another sermon title for another topic. But, uh, but as you get into these uh, wisdom literature uh, Proverbs and Psalms. Uh, God has given us a lot of wisdom, but it doesn't start there. Actually, actually, to understand what it is, you have to understand the contrast in the, all of the Scripture to see what God is doing, not just in a narrow-minded spiritual sense. You go back into the book of Deuteronomy and you'll see that the wisdom is not just wisdom to do the spiritual things. It's wisdom described in things that you wouldn't, you wouldn't think that would be spiritual. For example, um, your wedding shower yesterday had uh, your mom work on a little arts and crafts. It took about 10 hours or so to do that little V and B. And she broke up little twigs and hot glued them and she made a nice little crafty piece. Now you think, now is that wisdom? The answer is yes. Yes, yes, yes. Because there's a wisdom and creativity in bringing into existence that which doesn't exist. And you'll find in the Old Testament 
that your work skills, your competency to work on brakes, your competency to work in wood, your competency to organize people, your skills, your crafts are part of the wisdom shown through the temple makers and the craft makers and those who are gifted are called wise people. They're experts in medicine. They're experts in literature. Remember Daniel was called, he was able to interpret dreams. There's all kinds of things under the uh, the rubric of wisdom and not just a spiritual narrow sec- section. And so there are a lot of you who have wisdom, but you would not call it spiritual wisdom because you think, well, I got an education. Mm-mm. That gift of wisdom, that gift of your talent, it comes directly from God. And recognize as such in the Old Testament, but we've kind of lost that. I'll, I'll leave it. But you get into the book of Proverbs. There is a wisdom that has to do with life. Not just your talents and your skills and how to make a living. It's, it's a wisdom that says it comes from above how you live as a fallen human being in a fallen world. Because you're going to... So happy is the man who finds wisdom, and the man who gains understanding. That's Proverbs. And then go back to uh, wisdom is the principal thing. And this is why, because of this, uh, I go to Goodwill a lot. (laughs) You find books. And I'm always looking for any place I can find wisdom, especially those on sale. But it's a principal thing. And And with all thy getting, get understanding. Not just get the books, but get the understanding. You have to dig in. And, and digging and getting means you make it your own. You, you personalize it. For wisdom is, is better than rubies and all the things that they may desire uh, are not to be compared with it. You, there's nothing greater in the kingdom of heaven to have God's perspective on things. So that's what it is, real briefly. What it is not... What you need to understand is there are two kinds of wisdom. There's a wisdom of the world, and there's a wisdom of the Spirit. And so there's the distinction. And for the Ephesians, they thought, and they were taught by their culture, you just look to nature. And so the god of nature, one of them was Diana, called Artemis. Uh, She was the goddess of the hunt, and she was the goddess of fertility. And therefore, imagine you are in Ephesus, and you're growing up with a teaching that it is okay to give yourself to the sensual, the sexual, the pleasurable, because we want to be fertile. It's a pagan religion. You think, well, that's kind of way back then. But then you may not understand that currently there is a religion that is the fastest growing religion in prison, by the way, called the Wiccan religion, because it endows and, and allows for people to explore their sexuality. It was back then, it hasn't changed. Another guy was the God of Dionysus. He's the God of wine. And so as you think about those, those Mediterranean groves of wine, uh, grapes, vineyards, the Ephesians had trouble with drinking. And so the pleasure of just indulging in alcohol, Paul says in Ephesians, uh, you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and you indulged that spirit. Uh, you followed the sun, that spirit now working the sons of disobedience. And we too were, we lived in the lusts 
of the flesh, indulging the desires. Now here's the point of wisdom. It's not the behavior, it's the desires underneath the behavior. It's that foolishness that we were talking about in, in Sunday school, that, that the, the, the folly is bound up in the heart of the child. And so it's not just about the behavior, because you may get people to conform to your expectations in front of you, but you remove you, there's no external restraint. Now there's foolishness is going to be unleashed in different contexts. And different places will provoke, promote different opportunities and you won't be there. And therefore it has to be an internal guard, an internal guide for that wisdom that's going to control how you live out your life. But the Ephesians believers really struggled with that. And so Paul says in this book, we've already talked about this, that you don't walk according to the Gentiles. You don't walk according to that spirit. You don't walk according to the futility of the mind, darkened from their understanding. They're excluded from the life of God. And look what happens. You take the light and the love out, your heart becomes hard. You become callous. You become insensitive. And therefore, people who don't feel much are more drawn to the addictive events that make them feel something. Because what's happening is that their heart, their soul is shrunk and they don't feel alive. And they want something to stimulate them and it usually comes from the outside in, not the inside out. And therefore the Holy Spirit's going to do just the opposite. If you seek your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life, you're going to find it. And therefore, what Paul said was, Understand that our desires are corrupted and our desires can be deceived. There's something about us as sinful people. We have a propensity to bend inwards towards self-centeredness. And so we will use things. And as I said before, people are made to be loved. Things are made to be used you start loving things. You start using people. And therefore, they had trouble. They had trouble with their desires. They had trouble with, with their religion. They had trouble with their drinking. And, 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 and it wouldn't be, it's not the same today, but here's, here's the similarity. Well, if you just limit it to the behavior of alcohol, as though alcohol, if you, if you, alcohol doesn't cause alcoholism, does it? As sugar doesn't cause diabetes, does it? It means there are elements here that you need to know how to deal with sugar and alcohol and diet and all these things as much as with work. Because it's not what you do on the outside, it's the desires on the inside that's governed by foolishness. And therefore, we have trouble with alcohol. And it's not just the alcohol. It's the accompanying things that go along with alcohol. And I looked at this statistic, and you'll see again, and put yourself back 2,000 years ago, I'm sure they would have, they don't have the statistics, but look at what happened. Where there's alcohol in our society, there's violent crimes on campus, 95% association. Abuse on college campus again, date rape, homicides, substance abuse, intimate partner violence, child abuse, Rapes and sexual assaults, aggravated assaults, simple assaults, guns, knives, and lethal weapons. It's all associated. Why? Because the inhibitions have been reduced. 
and something takes over, foolishness takes over. And as a result, there are lots of people who struggle with trauma, regrets, shame. And God says, this isn't the way you're supposed to live your life. And yet, Paul addresses this, and he addresses it here in Ephesus, and he addresses it through Titus. Titus had to go to Crete. And you've been in the Mediterranean. You know what the Mediterranean culture is, those of you who've been there, both of you, whoever the other one is. But Paul says, an elder must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, quick-tempered, and here it is not given to drunkenness. But that's only one of those things. That, but if you take those qualities and reverse them to say, here's what he's saying. You've got to deal with the foolishness. With alcohol, there's blaming. With, with the selfish desires, there's, there's unfaithfulness, resistance, unmanageability, a heavy-headedness, impulsive, violent. You get the picture that if you're a foolish man, you're not guided by the Holy Spirit. And this is not to be part of the church, to be qualified. And, and therefore, if you look at this thing, when Paul says about alcohol, interestingly, <clears throat> the, the language that goes along with alcohol in terms of uh, thinking about how we talk about alcohol. Now, we, we're talking about intoxicated Think about that word. Intoxicated means it's, there's something toxic. Your blood alcohol level is now way beyond the ability to, and it prevents the oxygen from getting into the blood, and therefore there's real danger. We are poisoned, toxic, instead of being poised with the Spirit of God. The idea that we have uh, inebriated, or schnockered, or tanked, or what other, what other phrases that you come to mind? Well, interestingly, if Paul were to write the same thing today to us, in our culture, he would add one more thing. And he would talk about um, not just being intoxicated or being out of control. He might address the issue of methamphetamines. Now notice the issue of methamphetamines was another one of these root words. <clears throat> uh, I go back to that one. Yeah, to get drunk, methiskomai. The meth part, again, you're talking about poison, where you're out of control. And so Paul is saying, yeah, this is an issue for you guys, and therefore you need to pay attention. And not only did Paul talk about it, John talks about it, Peter talks about it, because it's human nature that's in the fall. <clears throat> And so when Peter talks about it, you've already put in your time that God, that, in that God ignorant way of life, parting night after night, a drunken and profligate life. Now it's time to be done with it for good. Of course, your old friends won't understand why you don't join them in the old gang anymore. You've now split. You're not walking the wisdom of the foolish, but the wisdom of the Spirit. And so he says... Uh, they will be surprised that you don't join them in their reckless living because you've left it. It's not to be your identity. It's not to be your experience. And therefore, John would say it this way, that if we are walking with Christ, understand that, that you have a new command. 
that its truth is seen in Christ and in you because the darkness is passing. And the true light, the true light, you should start seeing changes not only in the behavior, but the true changes in the desires of your heart underneath. And that's what Paul is trying to get to. You see, it's the spirit of wisdom working in the heart. And when the spirit is at work in the heart, there are changes in the darkness because that darkness will be exposed because the spirit of, the wisdom, spirit of wisdom knows that our struggle is not with a particular kind of sin. It's not the behavioral sins because there's many manifestations of that foolishness. But the spirit of wisdom knows that a person is suffering a particular kind of pain and disappointment because they've left the source of light. They've left the source of wisdom. They've left the source of love. And therefore, if you try to deal with pain in a person's life, you won't need the gospel. There's lots of things that will deal with pain. Alcohol, drugs, sex, work, money, entertainment. But the issue is the sin in the heart. And for that, you need the gospel. If you think you're foolish, because dealing with your heart, then you're going to move in directions that will be foolish because it leads you into an addictive trap that you'll be drawn to solving the problem rather than reconnecting with Christ. And therefore, <clears throat> what the Spirit of God knows and what He wants to do is He knows that our particular failure is because of our brokenness, because of our sinfulness, because we're locked into our foolishness. We want to maintain control. And we don't want to trust God. That's the flesh speaking. We may not know the Lord's desire and design well enough to follow Him. And the problem is we lack the courage. And that was the struggle that the Ephesians had. And so Paul brought around the fellowship of the believers to build them up, to say, that's not the way we want to do it. That's not life. And therefore, all this keeps us away from the light, the grace, and the healing. And therefore, we negotiate, fragment, and compromise. And we get a point where <clears throat> what we got is not the wisdom of the Spirit. It's just kind of rearranged foolishness. And therefore, we want to look at what it looks like. Moving in, there is foolishness. And there is the church. Yeah, we know that. But we embrace it because we know that's where the Spirit of God is at work. You've got to clean the inside of the cup. And so he says, basically, what Paul is saying to us is don't get drunk with wine. And what happens when you drink wine? Something takes over in your blood system and it begins to influence. Now the thing about that picture is it's not just the influence, it's the fact that there's a presence. Not just a, a way to handle things, it's a companion that you're walking with. And therefore, when Paul says, don't get drunk with wine, but I want you to understand that you want to be filled with his presence. And to be filled means you understand that there's a lack. And when he comes in to fill you, he will bring in to balance. He'll bring in what you don't have. And the wisdom means is that you need to open up to let God's spirit go into the things and unlock those things that are preventing you from walking with him. And therefore, you should know, as we, we know, we don't have it together. Therefore, he has to bring something to us. 
What does he bring? He brings the wisdom of the Spirit. And what he says is that if you have the Spirit's wisdom with you, the first thing you're going to do is start singing. Joy. Joy in the heart that your heart is settled. Your heart has a song. It's the song of the Spirit that leads you into that settledness that you do have what you need. Now, if my car is empty on gas, and I go down to the BP and fill it up with gas, I don't need to go to the shell station. If God's filling you up, then you don't need to go anywhere else. And that's what Paul is saying. If you're filled with the Spirit and the wisdom of the Spirit, you don't need anything else. You're complete. And that's what he says. And therefore, what the Spirit is going to move you is from ignorance to that influence that God is all you need. And if God isn't meeting your deepest needs, then meeting your deepest needs becomes your God. And you're stuck in that self-serving again. Well, how do you do that? How do you respond to the Spirit? And this is the last one for us. What you need to understand is this. If the Spirit calls you, if the wisdom is calling for you, you've got to hear, you've got to pay attention that He is calling for us to come in and therefore to listen, to understand, He's going to influence us and transform us from the inside out, not the outside in. And therefore, you've got to look for those things on the inside. Two, you've got, to, you've got to realize you're not trusting God in some things. If you're trusting yourself, or you're trusting others, you've got to let go of those idols. And as the Spirit of God gives you that information, you simply confess and say, Lord, it's me again. I, I did that again. And understand that the Lord's not going to kick you, over the, kick, you, kick you or beat you over the head. He understands that you struggle with that. Third, he's going to move you in to realize that he's doing a work through this. He's writing in your story. And that story is going to humble you. It's going, to, it's going to bring you to the point of grace where you'll be open, teachable. But you can't do that. You can't understand the Spirit if you're not in the Word of God. And so get into the Word of God. And he'll give you that wisdom. Get into the Proverbs. Get into the Psalms. Get into all of the Scripture. But there's a song. I don't know if you guys sing a lot. Sing in the shower or singing going down the road. Get your songs because the song is, it means your heart is going to be lifted up in, 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 a, in a different kind of, not a sobbing country, western, tear, and east song, but a sense that God's grace loves me as I am and he's changing me for to be like who he is. The last Those who walk with him in light and love and wisdom will also walk in that song. But he goes into the last thing. They walk in submission, which we'll talk about next week. There's something spiritual about living, walking in sensitivity, developing an other-centered mindset. Walking uh, Walking in sensitivity. W-I-S- Developing an other-centered mindset. That's wisdom. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, these are your words. May they be transformed into realities for us. Would you give us the wisdom of your spirit as we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.